You know, we're going to have windmills you can, you're going to see that have 100-yard wingspans each, each propeller on that, on that uh, um, windmill, 100 yards long. So there's so much that is going to be able to be done. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Thank you for Joe Biden telling us that a 100-yard, I guess, windmill will somehow ease the pain and suffering of people who are victims of wildfires in Colorado. What the hell was that all about? I mean, can you imagine, like, uh, all your memories, everything you treasure, burnt to a crisp, your house is burned down, your kids have no home, and and the President of the United States is like, here, I've got the solution, football field-sized windmills. That's what you want to hear right now. (laughs) I mean, it's so dumb. It's insane. So, it's, it's completely insane to do that. It's like a cruel thing to do. It's so dumb. Well, you'll notice uh, Smug's voice may be less than perfection today because he is abroad. I would not abroad, but he's certainly not in the studio. He's remote. He's remote. Yeah, yeah. remote. Because he's a sought-after commodity. He he's is. gracing his presence with others. But but we're going to hold it down here because we've yeah, got I mean, big stuff. A bottom line, like you said, we have we have enormous, huge announcements today, and I didn't want to miss it. Our listeners, I owe them, you know, I give all I can, and I'm going to be here for this. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. Announcement number one. This is a big one. Big. We are doing our first truly live event. We've done live events, you know, remember we went to Iowa? Yes. Which uh-huh. is lovely. We've done a couple of live events, Pence. just sort of, you know, yeah. Pence, and we've done some other things. This is going to be the first, like, ruthless live. Ruthless live. Yeah. And, 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 and you know you've arrived when it's no longer we are at an event. It's finally we are the event. Like, it's not Iowa State Fair. It's not, yeah, you know, from the Pence event. It's... <laughs> It's a real production. A real production. This, folks? A, a real variety program. A real variety program. So set your calendars. It's going to be a Ticketmaster event on February 10 in Washington, D.C. at the Pearl Street Warehouse. We are super pumped. Yes. I, I'm, I'm legitimately so proud. I, I'm going to like buy a physical Ticketmaster ticket. With our names on it, I'm putting that on the fridge. I think I think we should it. get a huge one, like one of those uh, like vanity checks. You know, like oh, yeah. <laughs> we can oh, carry yeah. around like Happy Gilmore. You know, keep it keep in the back seat of the car. Oh hell yes, <laughs> hell yes! I like that. That's and a I great know, deal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my like A game, be the most entertaining person possible. And from what I hear, Duncan's gonna come up with new games. Oh wow, yeah, just like the most entertaining stuff. He, he'll have like new merch. It's going to be incredible. He's just piling it on me, huh? Yeah. So good. (laughs) Got a lot of work cut out for you, pal. Smuggle show up. (laughs) Smuggle show up. You got a lot of work to do. But but seriously, we're going to do a big top hat and cane routine. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a musical number. Yeah. You never know. You never know. And and, and, and bottom because our listeners deserve it, thank you all so much. Like, I, I love seeing our numbers grow, and we appreciate every single listener. So you got to give back. The folks have asked, when's a live event? Here you go. We're going to start doing them. I love it. I love it. So this is actually, we are super into this. You're going to hear it a lot over the next month. 
don't get bored of it. Just buy a ticket. Yeah, and we'll and we'll put a link to it in the description of this episode to the Ticketmaster page where you can buy the tickets. Yeah, yeah. So super pumped about that. The second announcement that we have is that we're going to do a special Friday episode this week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we have an unnamed, very special guest. Yes. It'll also be a remote live event. That's right. This and, very and, and, week. And, it, 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 you know, we've agreed to keep it under wraps. Like uh, the agreement is it's until like the last minute, right? Like t- my understanding is like only at the last second can we announce it. So, so I know everyone's hoping for that Thursday fix, but this Friday one is huge, huge, massive, massive. So listen, we got a lot of exciting stuff going on, a lot yeah, of yeah. Stuff. but we also have a great episode uh, today, a nice program. And I know Duncan, you had an interview today. I did. Our guest today is Martine. Avila uh, is the CEO of Right Forge. I knew him in a previous life back in Freedom Works. He's running this company called Terra Clips. The guy is extremely, extremely smart. I wanted to have him come on and talk about, you know, what conservatives can do uh, with the future of the internet, you know, and building infrastructure and stuff like that. So stick around for that. It's really interesting. A little bit of a nerd out, which I know Holmes will yeah. attack me Well, for. that's why you did the interview, Bill. Well, that's fine. You know, I mean, you just got put the tape around your spectacles and give it, give it okay. all. Okay. Okay. But, but, but she, it's an important one. Yeah. And, and I, I was so excited to hear this one because this is a problem. You know, it's, it's especially now that Twitter's got their new CEO, who knows what's going to happen. I'm always open, you know, ready to listen to how do conservatives actually have their voices heard. Yeah. And Martine's company, Right Forge, is going to be hosting Truth Social, Donald Trump's new social media platform. So he's, you know, he can provide a lot of insight on all of that, which is, it's fascinating stuff. Interesting. Also, another big announcement is a uh, sponsor for today's program. Yeah, he's exactly right. We have the American Federation for Children. You will remember the episode that we did back in August. It was our first deep dive event where we did it on the issue of school choice. And we had an incredible, I, I've gotten more feedback on that than almost anything that we've done in terms yeah. of like diving really deep into the issue of school choice. They are going to sponsor this, and I'm super excited. It's, it couldn't come at a better time now as you're hearing about Chicago public schools and all kinds of other schools talking about closing, closing down again because of COVID. Well, yeah, and so the American Federations uh, for Children, not only are they sponsoring, uh, we're going to play a little game. Ah, they've suggested a game. It. Yeah. That's so, how you do it. So hopefully we're going to do a couple of these, and this is just the first one. This game is uh, Guess the School Choice Hypocrite. Uh, sponsored by the American Federation for Children, the nation's largest school choice advocacy organization, fighting to elect state policymakers and helping pass school choice laws in states so that all families can have the freedom to choose the best K-12 through education for their kids. Yeah, you can follow AFC on socials at school choice now. Yes. And they have new education freedom pledge that voters and lawmakers and candidates need to sign. Yeah, Uh, that is at edfreedompledge.com circulate it to candidates that you want to support tell them this is important to you Uh, you can also text ruthless to 73218 to learn more about school choice in your state and do that just take a minute take a minute right now hit pause go to your texts text ruthless to 73218 and they're going to tell you all about your options there. If nothing else, they're going to tell you, like, look, my guess is that most of our listeners, you guys have been focused on this for a super long time, but there's mm-hmm. a lot about underprivileged kids in your state that we all want to help. 
Right. And, and this is a big thing. So, so your kids may be taken care of. Others may not. Text Ruthless to 73218. And I love it so much because, you know, this is an issue we've been talking about for so long. Like you said, that deep dive, it's it's come right back in the news. You know, like Glenn Youngkin got that win because it showed that, you know, all parents, regardless of party, care about their kids' education. And, you know, you get all these pundits on TV, uh, these liberal pundits who will give lip service to, yes, you know, we've seen how, how bad it is for children to have, uh, you know, classes taught by Zoom. But, but they stand with the unions. Who are, who are refusing to teach our kids. So I love this. It's time to put boots on the ground and make our voices heard. Love it. I, honestly, we should we should do this game. Yeah, like, let's, let's, like well, let's, right get, now. let's get right to the game. American Federation for Children came up with this. Basically, I will read a clue. Then Smug and Holmes have to choose from one of the multiple choice options. The winner of each game collects a Randy coin. A Randy coin. A Randy coin. Okay. <laughs> I, love it. I, su- I support this. Yeah, an unsanctioned cryptocurrency that empowers people to fight union boss Randy Weingarten's multi-billion dollar per year influence machine. I love it. I love it. I'm with it. I'm with it. This Can we get so a Randy good. NFT while we're at it? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's what I was going to say next. Not, right. if it's, not if it's visual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want the, that's the, rough. the Randy Weingarten visual. That's rough. Um, all right, so so this is you know this could be a con- a continuing game over the next you know couple of weeks. Uh, game number one, uh, and this is the clue: uh, which governor kept public schools shut down from in person learning for a year in many parts of their state, yet sent all four of their own children to private schools at that time, which were doing in person learning. The teachers oh, wow. unions in that state even criticized this governor for allowing pro- private schools to seek waivers to reopen. The governor, as the Daily Mail, don't Google, the governor, as the Daily Mail described in March 2021, quote, has been slammed for claiming they were living through Zoom school, despite their children returning to class months ago. Oh. So this one's multiple choice. Oh. What's what's uh, Michigan? Is that Whitmer? Well, yeah. Whitmer's one of them. Whitmer. That's, okay. Uh, Michigan. Ralph Northam. Virginia. Virginia. Wow. No longer governor in a couple of days here, right? Yep. Thank God. Thank God. And Gavin Newsom, old Gavin from California. So Gavin Newsom, Ralph Northam, or Gretchen Whitmer? Well, I don't know how else to do this, but Smug, do you want to walk through your thinking here? Yeah. So so my thinking was basically who, I mean, <laughs> being such a hypocrite. And, and like terrible, of course, like Gavin Newsom came to mind. But my thinking is he's more focused on like getting a dinner res than his kids <laughs> educated. So I was like, who else is being a, doing a very terrible job? I, I went with Whitmer. Okay, all right. Well, I'm looking. I don't. Did, does Gavin Newsom even have four kids? I don't. I mean, does he? I mean, you never know. He's had a wild history. He's had a lot of. <laughs> I mean, he's been. It could does be he know of four kids? Who knows? <laughs> I don't want to slander too much because I don't know how much legal protect. Protection we have, but um, you know what? It, it, here's the thing: Ralph Northam is a secret to everyone. The only time that anybody has ever actually seen or heard from him was his blackface allegations. Uh huh. You remember? Yeah. But like for the oh, except for just now, the Washington Post they put this like a uh, austere scholar 
piece out about him where they're like he's a wounded healer i was like ralph northam yeah the blackface guy. Yeah. i mean that yeah. guy sucks and he sucks in a magnitude <laughs> yeah. that i don't think people completely appreciate because he's so underground like we had a pandemic for two years i don't think we saw a single press conference out no. of the asshole no like not one no. right and like virginia has done nothing nothing to try to combat basically anything they froze out i-95 last week and left the united states senators for 27 hours on the street <laughs> that guy that guy is bad as gavin newsom is as bad as gretchen whitmer is i feel like the secret of of ralph northam northam may be apl- applicable here and to me like uh the last straw and losing all faith in the press was when after the like uh, blackface photos of of Northam came out. He had that like crazy press conference oh, yeah. where I mean it was just like a train wreck, and he offered to like do the thriller dance or yeah, something. Yeah, was gonna moonwalk. No, dude. Yeah, he, he, he moonwalk. moonwalk. And his and wife, his wife said, stopped do it. <laughs> the journals were like, "It's okay, don't do it." Don't, it's like, please what? don't do it. <laughs> he, dude, he was like, "Oh no, no, no! I didn't. I'm not sure that's me in the yearbook in blackface, but I have done blackface. <laughs> we could have had." <laughs> means of north of moonwalking and the journals ruined it uh-huh. all um, right so that's our guesses Who do well we guys the answer is gavin newsom oh is it real? it is, is. Four <laughs> he has four kids he's got four, four kids. documented children this is satire attorney satire parody parody we're having fun laughing 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 Oh, my God. That's great. All right. All right. Great game. Really appreciate American Federation for Children. God, what a wonderful organization. Love that we're affiliated with them. Um, While we're thanking people, thanks to Megyn Kelly last week, fellas. I mean, we we did a Megyn Kelly show last week that was so fun and really had a blast. Didn't you, fellas? Dude, great time. Great time. She she sets up the segments well. I like to... uh, Throw the ball around the infield with you fellas on that stuff. It's always fun. It's so fun. And she is just great. And and hopefully we're going to be doing more crossover events with her in the future. Yes. With uh, Ruthless and, and her show. She's just a, an immense talent and also somebody just we'd appreciate being a, being around and can kind of be ourselves. So, yeah. So thanks again to her. Should we read some five stars? Let's do it. All right. Absolutely. Dunks, you want to take the top? I will. L Jammer 1. Tuesdays and Thursdays are now my favorite days. Thanks to the fellas for always bringing a laugh, insights, and reason to get up early on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Nothing makes me happier than seeing a new episode in the queue. Extra bonus appearance on the Megyn Kelly show made the media's January 6th Barth Fest way more bearable. Keep up the good work. The minions are grateful. Yeah, that's awesome. That's oh, yeah. great. That's how we do it. I like Barf Fest. Barf Fest. I'm going to work that into my repertoire. <laughs> Smog, you want next one? So, so you should take the next one. I want the last. It's, okay. it's got a great reference. So this is OK88s. Thank you, Megan. Uh, heard these guys in the Megan Kelly show today and tried them out. I'm so glad I did. The interview with Jack Poso was great. You know, awesome. This, the, this is the thing is that what we have found out with Ruthless is that you elevate all conservative voices right? by coming yes. together. Get that's, everybody that's in. Do. Everybody laughs and has a good time. We do things a little bit differently here. We're not yelling at you. We're not reading the Federalist Papers. We're just having a good time, and it turns out everybody enjoys it. And I'll say this. I got more texts about Poso on the show of people being like, I learned so much. How did I know know this guy's like a genius? Incredibly smart. You never get that. It was incredible. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome episode. And and I got to read this one. 
Keebler45. Respect. It says, I don't usually write reviews, but I had to after I heard about Smug's Donneresque trek in the snow. <laughs> the dedication and mental toughness to brave the, uh, brave the frozen swamp of D.C. to bring us the program deserves recognition. <laughs> Let me tell you, folks, I mean, there was snow. I mean, it was cold. There was a lot to get through. And it's, it was it very much, you know, brings to mind the Donner Party and all their travails of what they had to go through to get the snow. And, it, again, it's it's for the minions, it's for the listeners. I was willing to go through it. And thank you so much, Keeler45, for that five star. I love Donner-esque. Donner-esque. This only Smug, only smug would be in my, danger uh, of... Dictionary. Only D- Smug would be in danger of eating somebody when a block and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so did you ever listen to that episode of last podcast on the left about the Donner party? I did. Actually. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I got to throw out a wreck. If you do like to read, you know, we know smug doesn't read, but the, the indifferent stars above fantastic book about the Donner party. Incredible, incredible story. Yeah. And you can, and that actually doubles as, as smugs trek to the office in, <laughs> in the last week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. So where are we on all things politics? The thing that is going to be dominating most of the week is this sideshow theater that we're seeing about Democrats trying to eliminate the filibuster of over quote unquote voting rights. What a trash argument. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they just, they, they essentially just want an excuse to have total control like, hey, folks, listen, for democracy to win, we need to uh, put elections in the control of the party that has the House, the Senate and the White House. Totally makes sense. But it's all it's all this this theatrical production. Right. Right. It has absolutely nothing to do with making law. It has nothing to do with improving the rights of citizens across this country. Their voting rights bill doesn't have a single American anywhere in this country whose voting rights were actually improved by it. All it does is centralize power to the federal government, taking power away from everyone in your local government who's actually accountable to you. And and they're doing this because they can't pass Build Back Brandon. Right. They can't do anything else and, and on, a, on a macro level, but they want to divide the hell out of the American people. Right. And so it's like it, it comes down to throughout human history, America has had the states run elections and they're like, listen, folks. We tried to get this crazy bill that everyone knew was full of garbage, and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema didn't let us pass it, so we want to just change the rules. Is that cool with everyone here? <laughs> and they think it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, what's so outrageous about it is they do it entirely on racial lines. Right. right? Yeah. And that's, a, that's like the card that they play. They're like, everything is either this has to save democracy or... Uh, it's racist if we don't do this. As if we're living in a 1960s Jim Crow South, right? Where yeah. there's there's segregation and where where people are trying to to build impediments to people right. going to vote. I mean, it's all the most nonsense argument of all time. So of course, naturally, Joe Biden is going to Atlanta. Oh, weird! It's, it's Raphael Warnock's. <laughs> and, and I, I'm going to steal Duncan's talker that he has. The great point on this where. Uh, Dems are quick to forget they filibustered Tim Scott's police reform bill, right? Yeah. And then, like, as soon as they have power, like, months later, wait a minute, filibuster racist now. No, it's it's great. I, I think it was uh, uh, Clyburn. Jim Clyburn was on Brett Baer the other day, and, and Brett Baer asked him about this. You know, you filibustered Tim Scott's police reform bill. Yeah. You know, you've used the filibuster, like, over 100 times when you were in the minority. And Clyburn didn't have an answer to that. It was just complete not. word salad because they know they don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. I mean, because and they're not used to being challenged on this stuff. They're used to going on CNN and MSNBC 
and just like you were saying, play the race card, say everyone's a, a white supremacist unless they pass a federal takeover of elections. It's it's patently absurd. Completely absurd. They want to get rid of voter ID requirements. I think it's ironic that they're in Georgia because who's the most famous Democrat that supports voter ID? Oh, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Oh, Jimmy Carter, the old peanut farmer. Well, we all, we, and we found out uh, Raphael Warnock actually doesn't oppose voter ID. Oh, yeah, that's that he was recall. like, what? what? It was all Jim, Jim Crow 2.0 until, until it didn't work, and then they're like, what do you... That that's not true at all. We love voter ID. Oh, he's like, wait a minute. There's an election, folks. I can stop with the bullshit. Guys, they're banning water at the polls. Yeah, what a bunch of bullshit. I mean, I can't. Yeah. I listen. I can't. I can't begin to express how outrageous this is. Just in terms of it's, it's waste of people's time. Yeah, it's complete. Um, it's trying to distract people from the shit that they're actually doing, right? right. You can't yeah. afford shit. There's nothing on the shelves. They're trying. They're trying desperately to tax the hell out of everybody. Everything costs more than it used to. They fucked up our foreign policy for years. All the things that they've done have turned to absolute shit. And now we're talking about this something that doesn't have any chance, any chance of ever I becoming. I think that's wrong. the thing is that like Democrats have started seeing their voters as like these dumb puppies, right? That they're like, oh, I found a new squeaky toy. So the Trump good. squeaky toy doesn't work anymore. Okay, Biden is president. Store shelves are empty. Inflation is up. People are seeing that their daily lives are worse, right? And so how are you going to be able to trick voters into being like, okay, we got to stick with the Dems. This is the best that they have? This is it. Like, it's not working. And they keep, you know, the press dutifully repeats the charge over and over again, right? Kirsten Sinema has been asked on the reg, probably once a week for the last 12 months, whether or not she supports eliminating the filibuster. Right. Once a week, she has to write an op-ed or make a statement. It's been or, very public about this. Yeah, or something it's, like, As no, this mansion. I will not do that. They have publicly written op-eds. And that's the, the, the funniest thing. Holmes, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> the funniest thing about it is when you talk to like other Democrats in leadership and, and the media will ask them, well, you know, has there been any movement on this stuff? Where's Manchin? Where's Cinema? The answer from Democratic strategists and, and, and leadership is always like, they got to tell us where they are. And it's like, <laughs> dude, they've been pretty clear exactly where they are. You're the people not being clear. It's almost like they're addicted to losing on this. Like they haven't actually changed their strategy. Your point smug. Like they haven't changed their strategy at all from when Donald Trump was president. It's all like singing Mueller Christmas carols and, exactly. and virtue signaling it, it, bullshit. It's, it, it's not actually accomplishing anything. Like they don't actually know what it means to be in the, the governing majority anymore. So all they do is virtue signal about shit they can't actually do and then cry to the media and say, give us more seats. Look, they have it so I'm, easy. The press is so biased. Even if you're a Republican who loses a little bit of weight, the press is going to question. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Mike Pompeo. Perfect. We yeah. should get right into that. Yeah. So Pompeo, uh, hey, hey, Dunks, I see that you're working your way to the end of the table. Yeah. If you wouldn't hey, mind a refill that. over here, that would be terrific. Um, Pompeo, as you all know, have seen pictures of him. He has had a magnificent weight loss. I mean, this guy yeah. has been on a health kick, the likes of which we haven't seen in a long time. He looks amazing. I don't, yeah, I mean, he, he's been absolutely crushing it. Like, huge shout out, Mike Pompeo. And and what I love is you've got uh, Herr Kessler, the guy who, like, fact-checks Tim Scott's <laughs> yes. family for being like, actually, did you have it tough in the South during the Jim Crow era? Like, absolute ridiculous guy whose family, you know, has been, many people are saying, tied to 
various uh, I, can't, uh, I, can't, I don't know that you can providers say. of the German war machine I'll say but anyways he fact checks Pompeo saying that like hey folks uh, and he doesn't even type Pompeo's name right he says Pompey like as in Pompey and Crassus Pompey. like we're in Roman times he says uh, Pompey's hometown paper questions his weight loss take quote dude just tell the truth Mike Pompeo lost 90 pounds but not the way he said he did like this is what like the paper record democracy dies in darkness you know the washington post their fact checkers are fixated on you know how did mike pompeo lose that weight they wrote it from the editorial board so nobody would have to sign it yeah so nobody would have to sign it That's you know it's some just, what a bunch of cowards they you know are. it's just some sloppy fat ass right and that thing right too, you right know what i mean it's just some some asshole and we're just gonna just rain rain on mike pompeo's parade from the editorial Jeff Be- board. Jeff Bezos is like, listen, I'm partying in Miami. One of you dumbasses needs to <laughs> deliver a hot take or I'm having you out in the streets in the cold delivering packages. It's just like, nor- like nor- nor- <laughs> <laughs> normally when you get an opinion from, from the editorial board, it's because there's something of like import. Yeah. You know, like this is a weighty measure weighty. That, that needs to be needs to be responded Something's to things weighty right that there's a there's a uh, important policy that's being debated and the editorial board has to speak in one voice here it's it's actual weight it's an actual <laughs> weight of a former official Just incredible what a bunch of clowns the fact that they felt to talk about it at all is completely absurd but you know well, but I mean, like, also i love the fact that like the fact checkers like this is the the hometown paper the fat for, checkers fat <laughs> checkers and, and it's the kansas city star which is in missouri right mike pompeo is from kansas it's like okay i you know we all get that you live in dc and don't care about anyone else you know washington post but to be like listen folks kansas city is now in kansas you're supposed to be the fact checker. Like, there's not doing your job, and there's like absolutely not doing your job. Like the very nut and bo- nuts and bolts basics of your job. This requires, you know, none of no 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 research at all. It's just like having half a brain, and they can't even be bothered to do that. Just disgusting. The only thing that the press loves to do more than support Democrats is pretend like they have relevant takes on pop culture. Oh, but you know what? Who does have relevant? Oh yes, I do. Back by popular demand. And listen, I thought we were going to get our building burnt down unless we got her back on the air. Hollywood Hen, everybody. Hen! I love the length of my intro music. <laughs> It's kind of like Demer Journal. Like, it might it. be like a titch too long, but yeah. I still love it. I, I picture every time every time it comes on, I picture you doing the, the cross step model walk <laughs> right. on the red. But like yeah, com- yeah, yeah. coming out of the limo onto the red yeah, carpet, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like big, big Louboutin, yeah. uh, high heels yep. with Very like a, with look. a purse over the, with yeah. the elbow, like, a, like sort of like huge, a Paris Hilton thing going shades. on. Yeah, huge yeah. shades and then just working down. So yeah. What do you got for us today? Well, I mean, I'm so glad to be back, but I feel like. The first story is a little sad. Bad, bad news. I mean, Hollywood's been rocked by some serious, you know, tragedies over the past couple it of weeks. Has. We've lost a lot of big ones. Obviously, most recently, Bob Saget, Danny Tanner has passed. Betty White passed. Mm. Um, some other folks have passed in the last couple of weeks, which is really, really tragic. But I mean, I have to say. Bob Saget really affects me as my as a TV dad. He's a TV dad. You and know? for a generation of us. For a us. generation, it was really... For people out there who have not watched Full House, which I don't know if that's possible, but... You need to get involved. Yeah, get on that on Hulu. Yeah. But also, I'll, he was such a, like, legit comedian. Oh, yeah. yeah. His, his routines were hilarious. And, like, 
And Not also filthy. Like TV dad esque. Filthy. That's the funniest part about about the whole Danny Tanner <laughs> right. shtick. Right. Yeah, yeah, shtick. character. Is that like he was this wholesome dad who always kind of thought, you know, thought about his children. Yeah, and hug like, it out. Ah, just a very, just a dad's dad, yeah. right? And then he would go do these stand up comedy routines that honestly, if your mother saw, she would like walk out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's right stories now. of things that he would say in front of the kids, like <laughs> oh, really? on set. Like some of the parents were like, uh, really? A little too far. Yeah. Oh, so oh, yeah. Like the behind. Yes, yes. He was totally inappropriate all the time. Oh man. I remember um, he came to do a comedy like show at UVA, and the flyers all along the lawn were "Come see Bob Saget." He made the Olsen twins call him Daddy. Oh, oh my god. Oh. oh and even as like a college student, I was like, Oh mm, gosh, that feels like a lot. <laughs> yes. That feels like a lot. I know, yes. but R.I.P. But R.I.P. It's sad. It's been a rough end of 2021 and 2022 on the Hollywood. Well, front. here's the thing: is like so, so, so you got Betty White, you got Bob Saget. Who's gonna be? Number, they always come in threes. I know. Well, you also Who's had John Madden. You also John had, Madden. Yeah, there's there's been a couple others too. Um, They're coming in more than threes, which is just super unfortunate. It yeah, sucks. It yeah. sucks. So that's unfortunate, but I feel like I had to do a little tip my hat to Bob Saget. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. What else do we got going on? Well, probably most people missed this, um, but the Golden Globes were this past weekend. Oh my gosh, I didn't know. Yeah, and I don't know if people have been following this, um, but the Golden Globes were mired in controversy um, last year because of the lack of diversity of their nominees and also the lack of the diversity who... um, in the people who make up the Hollywood Foreign Press Association who are voting like on the Like the people nominees. who actually yeah, nominate right, all these exactly. things? Okay. So lack of diversity all around. So basically, um, even though they made moves to change that this year, NBC still just like was like, we're not going to show it. We're not going to show the Golden Globes. So they, they still put out their nominations, but they didn't have an actual like event. They just tweeted out. The winners of the awards. There was no show. It didn't Wait, air. They didn't. Ha- they didn't do a show at all. <laughs> no, no show. Nothing. Didn't air. Nothing. All of a sudden, I was on Twitter and I was like, "Weird, people are tweeting about the Golden Globes, but they're just like tweeting who won." Wait, get out of it. here! It was bizarre. There's Very actually bizarre. no Golden Globes awards. Not like in person. No, they just posted the this, results. This was like the funniest thing ever because I read about this. And like apparently, th- this whole time, the folks who've like put together the Golden Globes. It's been this incredible joke. Like they, 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 they like listed themselves as the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. They're like uh, said that they're like journalists from around the world that cover entertainment and, and films and such. And every single person lived in L.A. It was just like a, a bunch of friends who were like, listen, guys, let's let's make everyone think that we're legit like film critics. And we're like the pre Oscars. And, and shout out to them for pulling it off for so long that they're like, we are the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It's just a bunch of folks. In it's LA. like indistinguishable from if we came up with an award show, we called like the we Ruthies. absolutely should. Yeah, we should just have something called like the Ruthies. And then we just we make them like, you know, biggest American dumbass. Freedom Awards. Like oh, yeah. Freedom yeah. recognized group. I, I, I am 100% in favor of the Golden Globes and every award show, show frank, frankly, being virtual and just tweeting out who won the awards because that's the only way that regular people who consume all of this garbage all the time, these movies, get a chance to just ratio the hell <laughs> out of some film that no one oh, saw that won some award. Oh, totally. It's just like so much better than them getting up to the microphone and being like, and now, best picture... Some French film no one saw. 
The best motion picture drama that won was The Power of the Dog. What, what the hell is that? Never heard of it. Well, that okay, see, I, su- no, they- I support the premise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Didn't see the film. Do they fight him? Does I the- don't know, but I do love dogs. Does the dog fight the monkey? <laughs> Best supporting actor, Michael Vick. Speaking Power of what? Speaking of oh, <laughs> wow. Boo. Don't catch it. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Uh, speaking of which, now that we're talking movies, uh, last night my wife and I watched Pig, that movie with uh, Nick Cage. It's oh. on It's on Netflix. I like Nick Cage. So, like, people were like making fun of it or whatever. It's about, no, I like, this heard tru- it was outstanding. This truffle pig. Yeah. It is a great movie. Is it? Yeah. It I is a fantastic it's, it's movie. Dude, Nick Cage is the greatest yeah. he's the best he's so good do you remember so leaving good. las the most vegas underrated. yes the leaving most las underrated. vegas where he's drinking himself to death in las vegas fantastic wicker man Dude, con air hilarious 60 seconds the guy is just like non-stop banger after banger this oh, actually transitions perfectly because i too watched a new movie this weekend that i wanted to bring up with you guys okay okay and it's a little bit of humble pie i have to say okay because the tender bar with ben affleck mm. Is a great movie. No, is it? Yes. Dude's you rock. Can't be stopped. Dude's you rock. Can't be stopped. I you have don't. to flag for our listeners. There are some inappropriate scenes. But oh, you, well, but you, don't, you don't like Ben Affleck. You must have really liked the movie. I really don't like him, but it was a really good movie, and he did really well in the in the. I don't want to give too much away, but like the boy who's in it, both the young boy and the older version of the boy are very good actors as well. Really, it was like. Do you see I mean, the Phoenix like, tattoo? You don't I, I, like doesn't that such a power move for him to tattoo his back with a penis? <laughs> what what is it on? It's on Amazon. It's okay. an Amazon like original. Oh wow. my gosh. So yeah, so I would just like Hell to flag yes. that for people. It was I was shocked. I also think it's the first recommendation, movie recommendation we've had from Hollywood Hand, which I'd like to make a reoccurring theme here. Yeah. yeah. I, I would. And, and it starts off with Affleck, so it's going to be just like nonstop. Anyway. I know. I hated myself for liking it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was like, I want to hate like this That's and like be the, like, oh, he's the Lopez worst. Story. That's how he does it. <laughs> you know, you might be on something him. there. But you know what? I mean, <laughs> and, 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 you know, as a disclaimer to our audience, Hen, although this may have had some inappropriate scenes, yeah, inappropriate scenes. she likes a lot of family friendly stuff. Yeah. yeah, much more family yeah, friendly than I oh, typically yeah, much, watch. Much more family friendly than any of the guys on this show, for sure. Honestly, I, that, <laughs> for sure. that's going to be wait, wait, that's wait, wait my demand. Is is we want Hollywood hands Rex? That should be an ongoing thing going forward. We should, we should, we should do this regularly. I love it, Hollywood hand. You got anything else for us? No, I think that's it for now. Until next time. Oh, uh, you're the best. All right, take care. Outstanding. Okay, all right. Well, that was fun. Um, did you guys see, you remember the pictures last week about AOC going down to Miami and maskless and everybody yeah. was kind of like trolling her for that? Right. Oops. Oh, no. Oh, no. She got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Florida going to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> but it, what, what, and again, it's our theme of like, for so long, libs were like, if you have COVID, it is just like a moral failure. Yep. And now everyone's getting it, and they're like, all of a sudden, folks, we need to change the rules. It's like lib mindset. Wait a wait a second. We got to change the rules, folks. <laughs> well, like, and, 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 you know, I feel like it's bad karma to, to laugh at her for getting COVID, but I would like to point out she had a threat, a Twitter threat, where she's talking about how Ron DeSantis has failed on COVID. You know, uh, let me know if I can offer you any tips as she's sitting there in Florida. And then <laughs> she gets COVID. COVID. And then she gets COVID. It was like, uh, remember the Delta Comfort Plus Democrats who flew to D.C.? Oh, yeah. And then, like, right. everyone got COVID. Yeah, yeah. to like, protest. And then they, they there got you go. COVID. 
It's amazing. It's oh, amazing. that's so great. Um, I got a dude ro- dude's rock. I feel like after we got the Affleck endorsement, we're on a roll. We have to do a dude's rock. We do. Segment. 100%. 100%. Do you guys see this tweet from this guy, John Reyes? Yes. So I don't know who he is. He might just be a random dude. But he says, um, he tweets out this thing. It's it's at John Reyes 204. Even after a 12-hour shift, it's a picture. Even after a 12-hour shift at the hospital last night, my wife still has the energy <laughs> to shovel the driveway. God bless her and all our frontliners. Time to make her some breakfast. He takes the. <laughs> he takes. The, he's the. Big he takes a photo. He takes a photo from the second. What I imagine is the second story of his house. The guy still. I mean, I guess he's out of bed, but he's not out of the bedroom. It is all he's so doing is wild. looking out over the window, down it's at such his a wild wife. Play. It could be like. Here's how I'm going to contribute. I'm I'm going to show everybody the photo for shoveling the snow. The photo looks like he's 30 seconds away from saying, honey, you missed a spot. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't imagine a scenario. And like as a married man, it's something close to suicidal. I, uh, my jaw dropped when I saw it. I was like, this guy is like, it must be suicidal. You know, it's not death by cop, death by wife. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to put a photo of like doing a great job, honey. 12 hour shift. Now you're shoveling the driveway. Outstanding. The first thing, photo. first thing that came to my mind was that uh, from National Lampoons when she said, Eddie said I could quit one of my night jobs when the baby comes. <laughs> But also, I love how he's he's trying to be like, hey, folks, I am very much like pro women in this gender equality. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to pop some egos in the toaster. Right. I'm doing my part. Right. I just can't believe it. if you see the picture, it's a lot of snow. It's a lot of snow. <laughs> it's a lot. Like she's she worked a 12 hour shift and he's taking pictures of her shoveling his driveway. Completely insane move to do that. Just oh stunning. God. Complete. You know what, John? You win. You win. Dude's rock moment of the week. Yeah. Unquestionably. Um, Speaking of uh, insane moves. So I, I was really shocked when I saw this. But I, I thought, you know what? We should have a discussion. Uh, good mom or bad mom. A Houston woman is accused of going to a COVID testing site with her child in the trunk of her car. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, she actually put the kid in the trunk? In the trunk. Like, it was a it was a car. It wasn't like a hatchback. But also, you got to put yourself in the mind of the kid. The mom's like, all right, get in the trunk. And it's like, man, <laughs> these are some tough choices. <laughs> like, how nuts of a situation am I in? My mom's telling me to get in the trunk of the car it's insane uh it says we're told the kid was covid positive and she wanted to limit her own exposure get out of now here now she's wanted by the police department for endangering a child of course she is her child what? was covid positive so she put the do we know what kind of car this was so, so I, have, I have a couple interesting things so i mean on the show we've discussed you know there, there's been a lot of discussion around, you know, the mental toll, not just on kids, but on all of on everybody of like lockdowns and, and COVID and such. Uh, but this is this truly takes the cake. I mean, uh, it says she's currently on an administrative lead of uh, leave. Officials say her child is 13 years old. She put the 13 year old in the trunk of her car. I mean, if you're real, let's just put it this way. 
that it goes to show the mental derangement of yeah. libs in this world. We've talked about this a lot. Beca- because like if my kid had mm-hmm. Ebola, I, I'm I'm hugging him and, and, and carrying him into the hospital. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's what parents do. Right. You don't worry about yourself. Right. You worry about the health of the kid. This woman puts the damn kid, a 13-year-old, you're probably going <laughs> to stuff his ass in there. He's pretty big. It's, it's insane. Like, it, I mean, the point that you brought up, it's like I, I, I go back and think, like, uh, being a parent is incredibly difficult. Like, I'm, I'm puking. I'm sick. I need to go to the doctor. I never had a parent who was like, all right, kid, you know. Lay down a few garbage bags and get in the trunk. We're on our way. <laughs> Doug's, <laughs> Doug's, it's kind of nice to hear that, that Smug is conceding that it's difficult to be a parent. It's, I feel like this is a first that it's he's willing to admit it. A real breakthrough it on is. the program. It is. Oh, it's, it's one nice. of the few difficult parts of the job, right? <laughs> one vacation you after another. you to crawl into the trunk. That's the toughest part of being a parent. <laughs> I mean, stuff him in like a... Like a like a hitman like, body. I love you, son. Get in the trunk. What, Unbelievable. What it, what it reveals, though, is what we've been talking about forever on the program, which is like, you know, these liberals have broken their brains because of COVID and watching MSNBC every day for two years and watching case counts rise, that they really do believe that kids are the highest risk to COVID. That's what yeah. they really believe. Because And, and you know... It's, yeah. it's gotten me to, to start thinking, is this like a chicken in the e- or the egg problem where, you know, we, we, we discussed on the show that uh, I can't remember what, what polling group put out the poll that said something like 55% of, of self-identifying liberals think you have a 50% chance right. of going to the emergency room if you catch COVID. At the same time, you know, in the absence of, of having their like sugar high off of Trump in a headline, the media has just latched onto COVID Hoping, you know, we can get our page views, we can get our viewers back. If you're like CNN or MSNBC, they're like, we just got to scare people. So they'll 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 push out and be like, breaking news, new variant found, Omicron, and try to just like terrify folks. And then they won't cover the part where like, you know, the researchers who found it are like, you know, hopefully we're seeing it's not as serious right. as, as the Delta variant right. and such. But like the media has latched onto this. So I can't tell if it's a chicken or the egg. Who's making the other crazier? Is it, is it the libs getting crazy off the media or is it libs being nutty and the media being like, Hey, we can make money off these fucking nut jobs. Yeah. Who knows? But you know, what a kid, world. everyone listening, don't put your kid in the trunk. I yeah, think don't that's do that. A that's a bad deal. All right. So let's do a little roundup. We last week was a crazy week. If you were consuming any media at all, the, the hyperbole around January 6th and everything else was just amazing. Um, We've got some audio that we'd like to play. Uh, First, let's get Pelosi in here. What the Republicans are doing across the country is really a a legislative continuation of what they did on January 6th. I mean, this lady has lost her mind. Yeah, and and it tells you their game plan. It it, it spells it out right there where they don't see it as like, oh my gosh, this is a, a tragic attack. They're seeing it as like, how can we use this political benefit how can we say this wasn't a group of rioters say this is an entire party we have to hold all these people culpable who disagree with us republicans across the country what they're doing it's a continuation of what they did yeah yeah it's incredible having to show your id to vote that's that's january 6th that's insurrection like like having to like verify signatures on absentee ballots that's january 6th yeah it's it's totally january like like stopping like 24 hour 
voting in Democratic precincts or like ballot harvesting in Democratic precincts. That's January 6th. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what these people are trying to pull. <laughs> like, and, and let's not forget that they lost in Virginia, a state that Democrats controlled. They lost the governor's mansion. They lost all the other down ballots statewide. Yep. So, so, you know, don't buy for a second that this is about democracy. No, nope. this is about them trying to figure out a way to change the writing on the wall, which is that they're going to lose everything if they don't try to rig the system themselves. They have to because and, they're ruining the country. Yeah. And, and, and what really disgusted me is, and, and again, I, I want to say younger listeners should pay attention to this because this was so messed up is you had you had a vice president Kamala Harris come out and they're like, uh, she said, this date will live in infamy just like September 11th. Like, are you serious? When when terrorists flew planes into buildings, killing thousands, like over three thousand people were murdered when planes flew into buildings. That's the comparison. And then, like, uh, it's one thing to say, oh, maybe she misspoke or she's just getting carried away. No, you had congressional Dems. They held a vigil outside the Capitol, singing "God Bless America," exactly like what the Jeez. you know, and everyone in Congress did after after they flew a plane into the Pentagon, right? That you had uh, Congress sing "God Bless America" on the steps of the Capitol. They did that to to try to like, I mean, how sick and twisted it is to use that tragic, horrific event for political purposes like this. It's unbelievable. No, oh, it's incredible. I don't know if you guys saw the post tweet out. Could a coup succeed in twenty twenty four? Did you see this? A coup. A coup. Could a coup succeed? <laughs> Just an open question. Views, hope so. <laughs> just, a, just kind of an open question. Let's see what happens. Huh? <laughs> hey, we uh, pretended for four years that Donald Trump was a a, a puppet of Vladimir Putin, uh, and the intelligence uh, apparatus in the United States basically colluded with us to create a lot of fake news to pretend like that was true. But do you think a coup could succeed? Do you think it's do you think it could succeed? I don't know. Let's, I don't know. We tried. We tried for four years and we failed. <laughs> Time magazine's cover had the White House turning to like St. Peter's Square. Incredible. And we were saying that Donald Trump is a KGB agent. But folks, questioning the legitimacy of of elections is is beyond the pale. We think a coup could happen again. Like it's absolutely shameless. Well, my my favorite is that that that's just the tweet. A coup, could a coup succeed? Uh-huh. And then they're like, okay, so we're going to go to an expert to to discuss whether oh or not a coup could, who? could succeed. Who? <laughs> a professor of so coups. it's Paul D. Eaton, somebody I've never heard of, a retired U.S. Army major general and a senior advisor to vote vets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, a totally objective observer. Uh, not a massive Democratic super PAC. Oh. No, like, listen, guys, the group that I work for would have an increase in donations if I say yes. So I'm going with <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just unbelievable. These guys are the worst. Um I don't know. How much do you want to get in? Let's let's just move on. Let's I, I can't literally I don't yeah, think I'm Ed done with can it. take I'm anymore. So done with it. Um so there's a whole bunch of, of discussion, obviously, about the cost of meat. Yes. Yes. And so there has to be a little bit of figuring out how much meat people eat. Okay. The average American eats hundred and seventy four animals a year. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Twenty three chickens. Half a pig, 
tenth of a cow. That's not right in my family. Three quarters of a turkey, a small amount of duck, 12 fish, and 137 shellfish, mostly shrimp. Okay. What do you think about that? Huh. It seems low to me. But again, I think it's the blue states yet again ruining America. Yeah. Like, are, these, are, these, are, these are good numbers. You want to hear the 174 animals a year number, but when they break it down like this, I know we can do better. Yeah, these I are have, rookie numbers. Americans. These are like rookie numbers. These are rookie numbers. You got to pump these a, numbers up. A tenth of a, a cow? A tenth a third of, of a cow. pig, man. A third of a pig. You get me You get me some good pulled pork, that Eastern Carolina vinegar-based pulled pork. I, I'm putting down two-thirds of a pig in one sitting. Going to need more cow. Yeah. Frankly, I'm going to need I more mean, pig. Three, I'm going to need more pig. Three-fourths of a turkey, again, people are sleeping on Thanksgiving. Very underrated holiday. 23 chickens, I mean, you like to see that numbers. Two a month? Okay. But the rest of this, I I, I don't buy these numbers. Also, it seems very skewed. Also, 137 shellfish. Okay. Mostly shrimp. Shrimp are fine. But to, crab? To that seems high. Give me I'm some seeing, crab. That's like Jesse Hunt. Jesse Hunt, the, like, shrimp cocktail king. Uh, uh, friend of the, the program. Artist. 137 shellfish? I don't know. That, for me, that seems high. I mostly eat animals that walk on like two legs, I guess. Yeah. Huh. 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 Yeah, it's low. Again, it's, 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 it's got to be Vox.com who, who's stunned by these numbers in the wrong way of being like, oh, this is too many animals, trying to be like, actually, it's good. Joe Biden is making groceries expensive. Well, I think Foldy, I think vegan Foldy is also skewing the average. Absolutely. Sure. Absolute shame. Shame to his profession. <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't know we've got all kinds of different stuff that we want to talk about but like look the supply chain thing is not going away no the supply chain for those of you who have been and i don't know if every community is like this but like in the greater washington dc area there's an amazing amount of vacant shelves yeah you guys notice this yes amazing amount of vacant shelves and now they're talking about the fact that these shelves Basically, you're not going to have a regular supply chain until the end of 2022. Yeah, I noticed it especially like in produce, like produce yeah. in particular, salads, like stuff like that, like like some random produce you can't get, you know, broccoli will be out or carrots will be out or like any of the bagged salads, like no right. chance. Gonzo. No chance you get the bagged salads. See, oh. see, for me, it's been eggs. Yeah. Like, that is completely insane. For grocery stores to not have eggs? Like, are you are you kidding me? And 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 for economists to be like, you know what? It's looking like this is probably going to last until the end of 2022. It's 100% like when the Washington Post is saying, hey, everybody, you should lower your expectations. This is this is the administration's message? But, but like, dude, this is just what we take inspire Americans with. A, look, you can't get eggs. You got to lower your expectations, folks. You're probably eating too many animals. But, like, take a step back. What the fuck are we doing here? If yeah. your government that you elected and you pay taxpayer dollars are focused on trying to rig elections and and eliminate procedural hurdles to their left-wing agenda and they're not talking about how to fill grocery stores, what the fuck are you doing? Right. You I know mean, what? Literally, you know what, what the hell that is like going a, on? That's a recipe for a red wave. Right. Well, that's and what's the, coming down the pipeline. And then you add on when top this ridiculous, right? We add, you add on top of that everything we've been talking about with COVID, right? Like that now all these blue state blue states are getting hit with COVID, and nobody can get tests, no one can get monoclonal antibodies, and so suddenly there's these blue areas with people who are like, no, we don't care about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, we don't care about the people falling out of planes. We elected this guy to crush COVID. Oh shit, he can't do that either. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. Meat has tripled at my grocery store? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that guy anymore. For, for so long, they felt so righteous. They were like, oh, wow, everyone getting COVID, they must be punished. Right. And, 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 and like, the chickens come home to roost, but there's no chickens in the grocery store. Like, this is the story right now. Everything is, for the average American, in very measurable ways, in ways that actually affect their family, not these, like, pie-in-the-sky crazy lib issues about having a 100-yard diameter windmill in actual issues yeah. of how much am I paying for groceries, how much am I paying for gas, and things that matter. I mean, it's an absolute disaster of an administration. Look, I think you hit it. I mean, even if you can find groceries on the shelves, people are paying a lot more than they've ever paid before. There was this new poll from the AP that came out recently that shows that inflation is outstripping COVID as the number one issue on the minds of voters. Uh, Wow. The the poll found that just 37% of Americans named the virus as one of their top five priorities for the government to work on this year compared to 53% who said uh, that was their leading priority last year. Inflation, on the other hand, has jumped through the roof. Yeah, I get it because people are over it, right? They know what we're dealing with. You've protected yourself with a vaccine if you wanted to. If you don't, you understand the risks. We're moving on, right? But people aren't, they can't move on without any ability to afford basic goods. They can't move on without supply chain issues, you know, filling their grocery stores. Like, I get it. I mean, it's just, it makes perfect sense. Somehow Democrats are just unable to process all of this. Yeah. And, and, you know, as absurd as it is, the way that they're clinging to these issues that are completely disconnected from the average American's life, their day-to-day life, Dems have no idea how it is. Their agenda has nothing to answer for the problems that the average American faces. I hope they stick with this stupid game plan. It's the same game plan they tried in Virginia. That's right. They got stomped. I hope they try it again in the midterms, and I hope they get stomped again. That's right. That's 100% right. Final segment. Final segment. This is a gift to McDaniel, one of our producers. Yes. Goldfish. Yeah. He's been all over this thing. He's been trying to get us to talk about it for three weeks. I thought it looked kind of lame. <laughs> They're driving cars. But it's not a it's not a car. Okay. So he's got these... So, so there's a, a goldfish in a tiny robotic vehicle that is proving that animals uh, from different environments can still find their way around when you make them in, in comfortable habitats. The, the important part here, and this is from uh, www.studyfinds.org, and it's got this thing about this goldfish. They drop it into a box that's got some wheels on it, and, and apparently, like, wherever the fish swims, the, the wheels go. And they right. So, so it's like, oh, this fish can drive. Yeah. The fish can't drive. It's just so swimming, here's the thing it's just is, swimming is, in a is, fucking tank. Okay. Is, is, is when McDaniel brought this up again, uh, to propose this segment. I was like, wait a minute, folks. We got goldfish driving cars. I went to the mat for it. I fought for it. I was like, listen, we should absolutely have this. Turns out it's not a real car. It's I not. thought it was like they found some way. They put a wire <clears throat> in the goldfish's brain, Hold something on. like that. Had it so drive you a guys, real car. No, you sucks. guys thought, so, so you guys thought uh, goldfish, like uh, no hands, no opposable thumbs, that they were driving an actual car. Listen, when I mean, I'm living, you, when I'm living it, in I a, mean, there are some drivers on the road who have less than the goldfish has done <laughs> Behind the wheel. Especially in Maryland. Listen, with the Teslas these days, it's practically driving itself. So I was like, okay, listen, 
Goldfish is driving the car. It's a little toy car, dude. What yeah. a beat story. I, mean, I was so jazzed. It's a beat story. It, it, we're living in an environment where you've got monkeys that are basically like operating like the Cosa Nostra. Yeah, taking I, out I, the dogs. I thought, you know, it's not too much to ask for a goldfish to, no, can't do it. Like if a monkey can have beef like that, like what? They threw like 150 dogs on bills. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Come on, goldfish. You got to show up, man. <laughs> we're going to need more. The, 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 the most important takeaway from this segment is, you know, goldfish, we're going to need a little more from you. You're going to need more. We're going to need a little more. We're going to need more. Well, I, tr- I trust the people at Ben-Gurion University in the Negev to, to figure it out. You know, it is a desert and they make wine there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, God, so they you're just, just you're just an encyclopedia. Well, they can fi- if, love if the they Duncan can fi- facts, if they can figure out how to make wine in the Negev desert, they can figure out how to make goldfish drive real cars. Yeah, but that's not what they're doing here. Well, they're gonna do it. Okay, I have faith. Dude, okay. Wikipedia doesn't have shit on Duncan. <laughs> I don't know where he, wow. he he knows everything. Wine from Negev. All right. Well, uh, what do we got for an interview, pal? Uh, so Martine uh, Avia, who's um, the CEO of Right Forge. Um, it's a, you know, right leaning, you know, web infrastructure and hosting company. Um, you know, so they are going to be hosting Donald Trump's new social media platform, True Social. Uh, he has a lot of thoughts on the future of the internet for conservatives and how we build tools to, to stop, you know, censorship and things like that. So let's get right to it. I want to welcome to the program, the CEO of Right Forge, Martin Avila. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's yeah, it's been it's been a long time since I have talked to you, my friend. <laughs> it sure has. Tea party, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so for our for our listeners here, uh, I I knew Martin in a, in a, a previous life uh, when I was uh, you know doing digital back at Freedom Works and you know the, the nascent uh, stage of the Tea Party movement in you know 2009 2010. And Martine, you were you were running Terra Clips back then, That's right? Um, you know, doing doing all the back end web web stuff and infrastructure for FreedomWorks as sort of the uh, the Tea Party movement uh, sort of had to find a place to scale, and that was the internet. Right. That's uh, right. And you were pretty you were pretty key into that. Um, so, you know, can you can you give our listeners a little bit of background on on you and how you sort of ended up being, you know, a tech person in politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and before that, I mean, um, you know, what we saw, right, going back to 2008, and even a little bit before then, if you think about Howard Dean and the leveraging of the internet and how to connect directly to supporters who maybe traditionally were blocked by the establishment class for having a voice and being able to connect to candidates or give money even, right? Um, you know, you, you'd have to go and get invited to the fundraisers to go give money, right? You'd have to be, you'd have, you or even be able to reach them. There was, there was that, that gating. Um, and so I, I did a, a bunch of work um, leading up to 2008 and then worked for Congressman Ron Paul and, uh, you know, kind of started that grassroots on the Republican side of things, you know, raising money for candidates that traditionally wouldn't have gotten them. And then lo and behold, you know, a, couple, a few years later, after Obama gets elected, you know, you and I are meeting at FreedomWorks and we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, what that leads when you have that much um, uh, simultaneous need of people, um, eyeballs, energy, dollars flowing in, well, you need a lot of computers. Right. Um, you need you need the ability for um, you know a little known congressman from Texas 
to receive $4.6 million in a single day. Well, that's, that takes an enormous amount of computers processing those transactions securely um, to do that. And uh, that's what you know I've kind of continued to do um, through my career. And that's kind of what's led to RightForge. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as, as you and I have seen here over this last decade or 15 years or so, just the internet had this incredible democratization effect on politics, as you were saying there, you know, I mean, small dollar donations and people being able to do an end run around traditional gatekeepers and in politics, um, the barriers to entry have been lowered because of the internet. However, <laughs> now we are starting to see the other side of this democratization of, of the internet. Um, and you know, I wanted, I wanted our li listeners to hear from you because you know, people are familiar with what they see on the front end of the internet, you know, you know, president Trump getting banned from, from Twitter or countless examples of, of censorship on, on platforms. But there's a deeper story that I think a lot of people miss. And that is the infrastructure of the internet itself. Uh, you know, how the web, the websites, the apps, the services that we use on the internet are actually hosted in and run on the internet. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where you come in. Um, so can you, can you basically explain to our listeners how all of this works? Yeah. So, so, you know, going back to 2008, 2012, you know, even in some instances, um, my company would have servers that actually ran in our own buildings. We would, we would be building apps and we would deploy them, you know, say a precinct management system or, or anything that was complex. We might be, you know, that ended kind of after 2010, but we would move to these cloud providers that was larger companies that could you know take care of the computers for us provide the backups and all that sort of stuff and that led to the, the massive growth of companies like amazon web services so no longer were we having you know some of our servers in you know in our buildings and manage them and having teams that manage them to keep them up well we would just have companies that were doing that to scale and so that's all that really happened is that we basically instead of owning computers we would lease them and we would connect to them remotely and then companies like amazon or rackspace would would do all of that work for us and so people like my companies could just focus on the program and not have to worry about you know if someone spills something in the server room um losing <laughs> our backups right right uh, so, so uh, that's really all that happened. And, and you know, if, if people who you know had their you know had their own desktops back at home, it's really just those the bigger, and then racks and racks and racks of them, and power redundancies and all those sorts of things. Data centers, you know, exploded um, in value, and then they were distributed all across the country, so that the processing is close to you, much like, um, you know, uh, when you have your AM FM radio, you know, you get away from those towers, you start losing the signal. Well, when you connect to the internet, you want to be close to uh, somewhat close to data centers so that you have, you know, fast connections, faster uploads, faster processing for your uploads. And as you know, we, turn to devices like this, our phones, there's more and more, those things became more media rich. Well, the size of files, right? Video, you know, things like Snapchat, things like you know, even bigger uh, photo uploads required more storage and more computing to, to receive it and then distribute it. You know, we kind of take it for granted. You know, if you, if you go back, you know, we used to be when we would send emails when we were at the FreedomWorks, right? We would have to chop the image size down just to get <laughs> them delivered and opened up. And now we're kind of like, well, it's all fast enough, right? Um, and now we even think about, you know, sending links to videos um, right. to, to solicit donations because we can rely on the 
that connectivity um, between the facilities. And now what's happened is we gave that all up to big tech and there's an enormous amount of money and revenue in that business, um, enormous margins as well. And that's where AWS, you know, they, they really do own about 40% of the internet because they've taken down either leases in these data centers to deploy enormous amount of computers um, and provide that in a one-click way from their website. And to the point of censorship, that's what we saw exactly a year ago. And when Amazon Web Services decided to cut off Parler, who had been doing business with Amazon just for computers, um, just for networking, just for storage, um, they cut them off from the foundational building blocks of what makes the internet and completely destroyed their business. All while they were just in, in just doing business with Amazon Web Services because a client of Parler um, or a supposedly clients of Parler, people that were using their platform were organizing um, on January 6th, when we found out later, you know, there was much more organizing happening on Twitter and Facebook. So this wasn't just a direct attack on conservatives creating an alternative. Right. And so that's what we're looking at to stand up a, a competitor to. Well, so that's the thing is like, you know, the, the joke is, you know, build your own platform and then okay. people build their own platforms, but they still exist on, right. on the hosting of, you know, corporate entities that can be intimidated by the government or the media. Uh, into shutting you down, and we and it wasn't just just Parler and, and AWS. We also saw it uh, with with Stripe. Uh, you yep. know the payment processor uh, that powers um, you know all sorts of Republican donations, but in particular, uh, the media was really pressuring them. You know on on President Trump, and you know GoFundMe banning crowdsourcing uh, for the legal defense of Kyle Rittenhouse, for example. Um, you know, so there's there's so much infrastructure on the internet that's you know controlled by corporate entities who you know, gosh, five years ago, ten years ago, we would never think that they would have a posture that is so brazenly political. But we've we're there now. We're absolutely there. <laughs> we, we're, absolutely there. we're absolutely there now. And you know, I mean, I've always had basically, and as a marketer, right? Like, like I'm not. I'm not like you. I'm not, you know, hosting websites um, um, in the back end infrastructure of the Internet. You know, I mean, as a marketer, I've always had an agnostic view of this. It's like, where are the eyeballs? Give me the eyeballs because we want to recruit voters. You know, we want to raise money, um, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, if we don't own the infrastructure, we are we are always going to be vulnerable to have our voice is silenced, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you look at companies like Salesforce, which control an enormous amount of interconnectivity with how we leverage our the data that we store and capture and then go and do things like text campaigns, right? Right. Well, they're the glue that holds it all together. And if they decide to not do business with you, it's a hell of a lot harder to go and take your data and then get it out and send texts. And the providers that you have access to, you're more limited to. And we saw that happening in uh, the 2020 elections. And so that's another thing, you know, payment processors, texting, all these things that we use to communicate, mobilize and energize our supporters um, are at risk. And that is exactly why the market is now demanding that there be alternatives that just simply go back to what we were talking about in 2010, before the 2016 election cycle that said, hey, look, America is free we don't care what your political beliefs are. You can do business here. Right. Um, 
that used to be a simple idea that was ingrained in the very fabric of our economy and the internet. Yeah, the internet. <laughs> that was the idea. Right, right. <laughs> so just going to go back to that because these giant companies have run away from it and they have declared themselves to be uh, stewards of the global um, interests. Um, they have responsibility to global citizens, which doesn't involve American politics. Right. We have we have to do it for ourselves, and I think that also that just extends to traditional commerce because I think that people who understand that the core American ideas are very very good will choose to vote with their dollars with their businesses and not contribute to these companies that have deemed themselves to be so global that they want to play a particular um, side in our politics. Right. So. Um your company, Right Forge, is going to be hosting uh, President Trump's new social media platform, True Social. Right. Uh, how's that going? You know what? You know, can you give us any insight to this 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 new uh, platform? As far as like, gosh, I mean, you know, how do you scale for something like that, and how do you prepare for something like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> lots of long nights, <laughs> lots of racking servers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's been it's I mean it's been an incredible journey. We're honored to be working with those guys over there. There's a great team. There's there's a bunch of companies working towards a lot of different um, pieces of the puzzle here. We're focused uh, on the servers. Um, our team's also focused on building you know components of. Um, what you're still going to see on these things. Um, but you know, it's, it's looking good. Um, like you've seen the news reports. Um, that's, that's, that's about all I can give you. But yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> are, we're working hard. It's going to be a great platform. I mean, it's going to be vital to free speech. It's going to be vital to getting um, the president back online to connect with the supporters for 2022, for candidates to come together, uh, for, for influencers to come together and really just do Back what we did in 2012, Michael. Right. Just connect supporters to candidates and watch a massive evolution in politics. I mean, we wouldn't have gotten Ted Cruz elected without without, without what we were doing. You know, Rand Paul, we had a fight. The, the, those things, that that whole paradigm is going to shift again. Well, just think about how how it's so funny. Um, back then, it was like, you know, people were organizing on on you know Facebook events. Yeah. But even before that, remember Ning. Remember yeah. the Ning system yeah. and everything like yeah. that? And to think, you know, that's, you know, think of how far the internet has come since then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the decentralization of it all is what has what has made the internet so strong. And I hope we can kind of get back to that. Yeah, when we, when, we, when we were doing, I was on the Mike Lee 2010 campaign and we were, you know, going up against Senator Bennett and that email list, mm-hmm. when we, we were just getting these endorsements. I mean, we knew that we were emailing directly to the supporters and we were getting people to show up to events and we just knew that was a clean throughput and that people were going to see them and now it's like this soft censoring you don't know if you're going to go into the marketing box you know you ask people to opt in and so there's all these different ways along the chain down to the servers that people um that that who are frankly entirely against our political beliefs are throttling us right so um Related question back to the true social thing for for a minute yeah. here is, you know, 80, 90 percent of that traffic is going to be probably in app on our smartphone devices, just the way that people use the Internet these days. Yeah. You know what happens? And you know, I don't know if you have an answer to this. What happens if you get shut out of the app store? 
I think that to Mike Lee, yeah. Uh, when 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 Parler got shut down, he actually did a great job of going directly to Apple and said, "Explain to me exactly why you guys removed them from the App Store." Yeah. And he was he led the charge on getting Parler to be reinstated to the App Store. That actually happened relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, giving Apple credit. I mean, wild that I'm, you know, yet we, we, this is the paradigm, but they did restore it pretty quickly. And so I'm hopeful that with infrastructure underneath, uh, you know, abiding by laws, having people like Senator Lee who are directly communicating and are very, very sensitive and are really watching these issues. Um, and, you know, people like Rachel Bovard, you know, that, that, that are doing a great job of just really focusing on the key issues here and how that would be very problematic for these big companies if they use their walled gardens that they have um, to censor free speech um, and lawful speech. Yeah. I, I think that's the, we're seeing a lot of good being done, but that certainly is something we have to look at yeah. and watching and being talk, talking about all the time. Man, it's fast, <laughs> fascinating, fascinating stuff. Uh, Martine, we always end our interviews with three questions from all of our guests. All right. Uh, question number one is your last meal on earth. What would it be? Uh, ribeye on a cast iron, my house in California. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> rare, rare. <laughs> Just eating it outside. <laughs> uh, any, any sides to that, to that meal? Just beef. Just loading up. Just beef. <laughs> yeah. Just you, beef. I mean, you're not watching, you're not watching calories. No. Uh, <laughs> Just beef. Last meal. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so if you oh, here, were, I'll, I'll do an IPA. I'll just do an IPA. There you go. There you go. Uh, West Coast IPA, not that hazy bullshit. <laughs> I don't care what Matt Kimmy says. There's too much West Coast all the way. That's right. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you weren't working in in you know politics and tech, you know what would you be doing with your life? Um, I'd be uh, taking my guitar and just travel around the country and playing uh, angry, sad folk songs in bars where nobody's listening to me. <laughs> angry, sad folk songs. <laughs> what is, you know, who's your favorite folk artist? Uh, Towns Van Zandt. I wouldn't call him folk. Okay. I'd say uh, Towns Van Zandt, you know, country, you know, outlaw country, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. angry, sad, you know, <laughs> falling in love with prostitutes that die, you know, <laughs> it all sounds. <laughs> Oh man, that's good. Um, and then the the third and final question, and this is an important one for our listeners, um, and I'll explain it a little. You know, what what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? The thrill of victory being, you know, an optimist uh, who always sees the sunny side, or you know, agony of defeat is. We always like to say, like Michael Jordan, like somebody who's just motivated not to lose. And, and the thought of somebody beating them motivates them that they succeed. <laughs> I think well, absolutely it's agony and defeat. Um, you know, COVID killed my very successful event space company that I had. And, uh, you know, there've been a lot of failures along the way and you're kind of, and you look at things like systems, right? Like me to keeping up all these servers, right? It's not like, I, I mean, I love bringing in the clients, but you know, what keeps me up is just all of the energy that you have to put into keeping good systems together. Right. And right. People don't even remember it. Like, and you know, I, you know, I, I want to go to space because someday the sun's going to blow up. And so that's the kind of, that's what motivates me is yeah. uh, just keeping going. So absolutely the fear of the agony of defeat. Awesome. 
Well, Martin, bleeding and temporal. Well, Martin, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man. It's uh, Michael. It's really good to to catch up, and it's it's great to see you doing so so well. Best of luck Thanks, with the launch of True Social, man, and best of luck with Right Forge. Um, you know, let's stay in touch. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having me. So he's a great guy. He's a great guy, and he's just outstanding interview, man. He's super, super, super smart. Known him forever. And uh, I love that people are thinking about this stuff. Right. Right. Well, we, we sort of have to. And we talked about it a little bit. But like, you know, after January 6th, a year ago, the media and the Democrats in Washington were trying to put all this pressure on private corporations, as we saw also with H.R. 1 and Atlanta and pulling out the MLB all-star game and stuff that that's sort of their new playbook, right? Yeah. Is they find platform platform. They find infrastructure at the root and say, rip it out. Yep. You know, payment processing, I web mean, hosting. It, it, and this guy's like, not on my watch. Not on my watch. We're going to build it, our own infrastructure. Like, it, if you can get the president of the United States kicked off of social media, like, this is important work that's being done to make sure that conservatives have have our views heard. It's 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 very important. Great idea to get him on the show. Man. Yeah, preach. Awesome work. Great content. stuff. All right, Smuggy. And speaking of awesome stuff, another awesome episode. Absolute banger of an episode, gentlemen. Uh, again, reminder to our listeners, Friday is going to be the next episode, and it's going to be huge. Don't take my word for it. Tune in. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the lives. We'll see you on Friday. Hey, Ruthless. <laughs>